This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today we are joined by special guest, John Whitaker. He holds degrees in theology and ministry from Boise Bible College and Cincinnati Bible Seminary, plus a doctorate in preaching from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He served as a professor of preaching in the New Testament for 19 years, spent 11 years planting and pastoring a church, and has taught and preached at various places around the world. He has been teaching people to follow Jesus by learning to hear what the Bible says, and his latest endeavors are more accessible to people than ever. He and his wife, Louise, have been married for more than 30 years. Yeah, welcome, John. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, guys. I appreciate it. Gordon Conwell. How was that? What was that like? Uh, you know, it was a unique program because it was a doctor of ministry, so I traveled back two weeks at a time and would spend two weeks in on campus and in Boston and Haddon Robinson, since it was a doctorate in preaching, Haddon Robinson was my my lead professor, but he'd bring people in from all around the country. And it, it was it was actually just a really, really enjoyable, uh, pleasant, uh, encouraging experience. One, getting to know Haddon Robinson was great. He's just a, a great guy, in spite of being super well-known, at least from a previous generation, just a really good guy. So that was great. But actually, in the midst of a busy school year where I'd be teaching, you know, a lot of classes and then to go spend two weeks and actually get to just kind of hang out and go to class actually was very invigorating and restful. So it was great. Sure. Uh, Dr. Robinson did a lot of, obviously, the texts that we used for preaching in Bible college. I really appreciated the stuff that he he wrote. That is cool. You got to study underneath his tutelage. Yeah. Love yeah. it. It was wonderful. Uh, so tell us about, about, just introduce yourself a little bit, John. Tell us about the things that we that we don't know that we ought to know <laughs> about Dr. John Whitaker. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if there's much that you need to know, but uh, as uh, Brent said in the introduction, I've been married to my wife for over 30 years. We have two adult kids, and uh, both of whom are married, uh, both of whom have toddlers and are expecting round two. And so my daughter-in-law, is uh, due in about a week. My daughter is is due in about uh, three months, and so so we are enjoying kind of the grandparent life with our kids. And both both sets of kids and grandkids live just with about within about ten minutes of the house, so we get to spend a lot of time with them, which is probably one of my favorite things in life is just being dad and grandpa and getting to you know influence my grandkids and be involved in their life. It's wonderful. Yeah, I uh I definitely appreciate like seeing my my parents and my wife's parents um interact with with our kid and uh yeah, being grandparents seems like a very very special uh special thing. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So, John, why don't you tell us a little bit um about how you know Marty, uh how you came to find Bama. Yeah. What the connection is there. Yeah, well, Marty was a student at Boise Bible College where I was teaching a long time ago. We were both fairly young back in the day, Marty, and and uh, yes, some of us were younger than others, but yeah, we were. <laughs> what, what years were you there? Was it early two thousand? I graduated two thousand five, so I was there two thousand one to two thousand five. Okay, all right, yeah. So that's that's where I met Marty was when he was a student at, at uh, BBC and got to know him through that, and then. Just over really the last handful of years, just kind of tracked. I mean, I, I've been connected with the real life uh, ministries up in Post Falls and and then with Aaron when he moved to Moscow. So I was familiar with all that. So kind of tracked those guys and kept track of Marty through some of that. And and uh, and so that's that's sort of my connection with Marty. And then from there, obviously, Bama and the Bama podcast. And actually, I've, I've had questions from people, random questions out of the blue about Marty and his teaching and Bama podcasts. And uh, I've always tried to let everyone know that Marty's pretty close to being a heretic, but he's all right. No, no. That I, I really, <laughs> yes. Really appreciate Marty. Dr. Jack Cottrell from Cincinnati Bible Seminary emailed me like three or four months ago and said, do you know anything about this Marty Solomon character? And, uh, <laughs> and John was like, never heard of him. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and then I uh, had a guy randomly, I was in a church service at a local Calvary chapel I'd spoken a few times at this Calvary Chapel, and so I don't even know exactly what prompted this guy to do it. But after service, he turned around, shook my hand, and he started telling me some of the stuff he was listening to. And one of the things he was listening to was Bama podcast. And so I, I, uh, 
yeah, random places I, I get asked about this or told about the podcast. It seems like just by people who know about the name of, name of podcast and about Marty's ministry. So I'm I'm kind of <laughs> I feel like there are maybe some hints in what you said so far, but but tell me a little bit about Bible College Marty. Was he like one of your problem students? Was he like <laughs> what's your what's your recollection of that time period uh, for for your relationship with Marty? Yeah, I cannot wait for this. This will be great. <laughs> And maybe maybe start by saying what what you taught at Boise Bible College. Yeah, yeah. So for the first half of my 19 years at BBC, I taught almost exclusively New Testament and theology. And in the last 10 years, I taught uh, some New Testament theology as well as preaching classes. And so, so during Marty's time, I was uh, I was mostly in the realm of uh, New Testament and and uh, theology. And uh, you know. <laughs> Besides the fact that, you know, Marty, you know, wanted to be a football jock and a football star <laughs> and uh, show off his, his, you know, rifle of an arm, you know, and all that. Besides that, what really stands out to me about Marty is Marty showed up at BBC from a reformed church in eastern Idaho, coming to a school that was known for not being a reformed school. Um and yet, I, I don't ever remember Marty being a, a problem with that. I, I just remember Marty being eager to learn. That's what I remember about you, Marty, is you were eager to learn. You, were, you asked a lot of questions. And you were, you, that meant you were, you were willing to challenge, right? You would challenge the status quo. You would challenge people's thinkings. You would challenge your classmates. You would challenge your professors. But I never remember it being, at least for me, feeling like it was the kind of challenge that was disrespectful or inappropriate. It was just this well, why do you think that? And what about this? And I, I actually remember we must have been traveling for like the singing group from the school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I preached, and I preached a sermon that uh, emphasized God's sovereignty and what what that means and how that means God's in control of all things. And, and when I was done and we were getting back in the van and we were cleaning up and getting ready to head home, you were like, dude, you sounded a little bit like a reformed preacher right there, you know? Uh, I remember that. Wow. What a, that's great. I love that. I have not remembered that memory for a while. That is great. Yeah. Yeah. So I just appreciate that you, you were interested even then in the text, you were interested in where the text led and what the text said. And, and so you, you, you would challenge your teachers and you would force us to think about things. And I, I obviously remember that this was in the, uh, the heyday of the early years of Rob Bell and, uh, Rob at Mars Hill and Marty, you know, found Rob and and uh, fell in love with Rob and uh, Velvet Elvis and all of that good stuff and and so that's I think I'm guessing Marty that was the origin and the genesis of your interest in the Jewish background to the Bible and some of the things that have become distinctive of your teaching and your ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was like I was going through all this what you really described and you described it so generously and kindly. I appreciate that. Um, I'm glad you remember it that way. That was good. Uh, I, but yeah, I, I was going through all this theological angst of trying to deconstruct some of my Reformation stuff I was bringing with me into and just looking for some handles. And that was definitely a period of time that probably in a lot of ways saved my saved my faith because it gave me a new way to ask, ask a new set of questions and led me to meet some new teachers and mentors and, and yeah, led to everything I'm doing today. Yeah, which is awesome. Did you know, did you know that back in those days, I, I actually sent an email to Rob Bell and invited him to, to uh, speak at BBC and he turned me down. I did. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you shared that with me. I think it was, I think it was the year after I graduated, I was still around campus or something like that. And you, you, uh, yeah, you, you told me that happened. So yeah, he was in the middle of writing Velvet Elvis. So he said he didn't have time, but yeah. I tried, I tried. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Kudos for that. That would have been a pretty interesting moment if we had gotten Rob Bell on campus. <laughs> it sure would have been. <laughs> well, uh, John, let me ask you this. You've been on this, like, so you've had these chapters of just, just the, the part of, the life of John Whitaker that I've known and watched and been a part of, let alone stuff before that. But you were professor, pastor, like you, you weren't like professor would have been a big enough job. I'm sure it was a big enough job, but you were always like helping pastor and plant churches while you were a professor. And then after you stepped out of that professorship, you were then like pastor church leader. 
and then from there to the the things you're doing today, what has that? Tell me about like what that journey has been like to go through. Uh, do you feel like you've been refining and like getting more and more and more in your wheelhouse? Has it felt scattered? What what has that felt like for you? I guess I haven't quite thought of it in those those that regard. But you know, I mean, when I was teaching at the college, I mean, I'm a firm believer that. Um, the best theology and the best Bible teaching is rooted in real life and ought to shape our life. Right. And so I never wanted to be an ivory tower Bible college professor who just hid out in my office and, and uh, you know, never had to interact with people, never had to interact with the real world, never had to interact with the struggles of people trying to live by faith who, you know, so, so I've always wanted to be involved in people's lives and in, in the church. And so, uh, right about the time you showed up at BBC, I helped plant this church out in Cuna, Idaho, a little bedroom community of Boise. And so I was I was preaching there and overseeing small groups while teaching full time at the college and while working on my doctorate. It was a crazy, uh, it was a crazy season of life with small kids at home. That was a pretty crazy time. But that seems like too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways, it probably probably was. Um, in the middle of all that, my my stepdad died of cancer, and there's just a lot. And that, that that was literally 2001 to 2005. So the years you were at BBC, all of that was going on. Right. Um, but but that was driven by my my at heart. I'm a pastor, right? And and I'm a Bible teacher. And so when I was on campus as a professor, I was also a pastor. I mean. I have relationships with students all over the place still uh, who I, I mentored or I ministered to or I cared for in various ways while I was their professor, right? So it's that pastoral heart and that Bible teaching heart kind of blended. And so that's going to show up in the church and, and that's going to show up on campus. And so that's always sort of been my journey. When I transitioned out of BBC, I transitioned out of the church plant in CUNA first. And then a year later, I transitioned out of BBC. And I had been feeling for a couple of years, those last couple of years at BBC, I'd just been feeling a little bit uh, stuck, maybe, or a little little dissatisfied. Um, and I never could put my finger on why. And uh, so I don't really know what I'll cause that. Still don't really know what I'll cause that, even looking back. But I just felt like it was, it was maybe time to do something different. And so when I transitioned out and I moved to the pursuit, that gave me an opportunity to focus in one area rather than, you know, and, and I was a teaching pastor at this multi-campus church and we were, we, the church was great at reaching people far from God, but not great at helping them grow in their faith. And so I was supposed to kind of bring in some discipleship processes and all of that. And it, it gave me an opportunity to really focus on some things, experiment with some things, learn some things. I didn't know frankly, looking back now at that experience, that's what got me comfortable with doing some of the stuff I'm doing now with, with audio and visual and video and, you know, it's preaching to a camera or speaking to a microphone in an empty room. I mean, that all came out, grew out of the pursuit. So I really think the last five, six, seven years, the Lord had kind of been working with me, preparing me actually for kind of what I'm doing right now. I love that. I, I think I want to circle back to that before we're done today. But I, I do want to talk about all these res- what you just referenced there towards the end, like you're creating all these different resources. And uh, if you can talk about talk about your like, we'll ask you exactly what these resources are in a moment. But talk about your passion that lies behind, like why do you create these resources? Why does this matter to you? Why audio? Like, what? What's the what's the passion behind what you're doing right now with your life? Let me tell you a story of how, <laughs> kind of the genesis for this idea, and then I'll pair that in just a second with kind of the passion behind it. And I think the two of them together will make it really clear. But when I was at the pursuit, we we were baptizing a hundred, hundred and twenty people a year, and you know we're in the Pacific Northwest, one of the most unchurched regions in the the country. We these people you know, they, they barely know anything about God, the Bible, Jesus. They're just like, they finally maybe found the answer to their, their problems. And, and, and so then it's like, well, how do we equip them? How do we train them? They, they couldn't, 
they, I mean, they didn't know their Bible at all, right? They didn't even know how to follow Jesus because they didn't know the teachings of Jesus. So, so how do we train and equip them? And, and um, I know there's lots of different philosophies of how to do church and all that. I get all that. We were trying various things. The fact is, is these people had no routine of going, going to small groups, going to church. People's lives are crazy busy. And so it just became really, really hard for us to find out, well, how, how do we, how do we equip them? How do we train them? We offer special classes. They don't show up to that. We offer special small groups. You barely get anyone to show up to that. Right. And so it's like, what do we do? And I, I just started saying, why don't we actually put resources where people actually live online, on their phone, on their tablet, on their computer? Why don't we do that and then create some relational structure around that for discipleship and equipping and training? And so that was, that was sort of the, early version of this idea. Well, then when I transitioned out of the pursuit uh, a year or two after I started suggesting all of this, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to do this on my own. Uh, <laughs> I think there needs to be solid online Bible teaching. And I think, um, you know, people are dying for this. They're craving for this. And and they're hungry for it. And and I know this because I would get feedback. And in fact, uh, I got an email when I started my podcast from a gal who was going to the pursuit, who literally, she said, when I first heard you preach, I walked out of church with tears streaming down my face because I felt like a kid in a candy store. For the first time in my life, I felt like somebody was actually going to help me understand this book. She had been going to church for several years before that, but for whatever reason, the preaching she was getting, the teaching she was getting before was not answering the questions she had. And uh, and and so I just think there's a, a massive need for people to really hear the text, be rooted in the text and have it then connected with real life. And so that's really my heart behind it. And it's for me, it's it's I, the, the passage I always go back to when I think about that really kind of in a lot of ways, the foundational passage for my podcast and for what I'm doing is Psalm 1. You know, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or uh, or or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. Uh, where does this person get his advice for life from and his wisdom for life from? Well, he gets from from the law of the Lord, the wisdom of God. Right. And he will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit and season, whose leaf doesn't wither, and everything he does, he prospers. And that's that's my heart behind it. That's my passion behind it is to have to see people have a flourishing life because they're rooted in the Word of God. Now, I don't know a ton of Bible college professors or professors in general, but I feel like that's a little bit of a, a different perspective than I would naturally think for a professor to want to get down to a really practical level for the types of things that they're teaching. Uh, I, I don't know if the, you want to talk about like what, what drove you to that? Like what gives you the, the heart for people to understand at a really practical level, what to do with the Bible as opposed to, you know, staying at that really high academic level. Yeah. Because obviously you're drawn to that. Like you, you went all the way, you got a doctorate in this stuff and yet you still have this focus on, on the practical side of things. Boy. There's a lot of ways I could answer that question. I guess one of the first ways to answer that is um, I grew up going to church pretty much every Sunday, um, but I went to a church that um, that I, literally I went till I was 12 years old to the same church almost every Sunday, and I never heard that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I never heard. Um, I, I, I don't remember hearing anything that I would consider central to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus today. I just never heard any of that, right? And so then in my junior high years, we my family started visiting different churches in, in Tacoma, Washington, where I grew up. And um and when I when I really decided to follow Jesus, it, it wasn't born out of you know, just being a church kid, it was born out of, I want to know God. I want to know who he is. And then when I, my first major job was at a Safeway, I, I was the cleanup kid at the bakery and the gal who sold donuts up front was a Christian gal. And she handed me a copy of The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer and The Practice of the Presence of God by by Brother Lawrence. And so I read both those books when I was 15, 16 years old. And the 
as a high school student. And those two books really, in a lot of ways, set the trajectory for my life where um, this is about walking with God. It's about knowing God, right? And so, so at one level, my whole Christian faith has been driven by walking with God, knowing God. I'm going to church, uh, this church we landed at when I was in high school, and I remember telling the preacher's wife, you know, when I told her, I want to go to Bible college and I want to, I want to go into ministry. She said, why do you want to do that? And my answer, granted, I was a 15, 16 year old kid. There was probably a little too much, uh, you know, know it all in, in this answer. But I think the heart of it really was right. And that is because I'm tired of seeing mediocrity in Christianity. Um, I, I wanted to walk with God fully, deeply and completely and I wanted to help other people walk with God fully, deeply, and completely. And so that was the reason I went to Bible college, and that never never changed, you know? And so even, even getting advanced degrees was all about, what does this text really say, not only for me, but for the benefit of God's people? You know what I love about that story is, I mean, <laughs> that's fantastic. I don't know if I heard all the pieces of that story before in all my years with you, John, but... That what I love about that story is it's full of it's full of all these different pieces that doing their part and stewarding. There's the donut lady at Safeway yep. who gives you books, and there's people in the church, and there's not wanting mediocrity to be the standard, like the average, the common denominator. Like it's all these things. I just love how how all of that plays a part. It's not just one single thread. Yeah. It's all these different threads weaving this tapestry of your experience together. That's fantastic. It's pretty remarkable, actually. And when I look back, you know, and a, a kid who grew up without a dad, that's another component. My dad left when I was three and a half. Interesting story there. Um, my, we, were, we were going to this church that in a lot of ways didn't, I mean, like, didn't really even teach the Bible if I'm being honest, right? My mom's going there when my dad leaves three and a half, but she knew enough and had enough faith to get on her knees in the wake of my dad, leaving her with three kids to raise, never having had a job before. My mom gets on her knees and this was her basic prayer. Her basic prayer was, God, I don't know what to do, but I want help to raise these three kids for you. Uh, Hmm. And I think somehow God honored that prayer. And, you know, and somehow orchestrated some of these events and, and, and my, you know, all of us are walking with God and living by faith and following Jesus. And it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Well, let's uh, maybe shift gears a little bit and talk about the resources that you have developed uh, out of all of those experiences. Um, your website is John Uh You've got, a page specifically with a bunch of uh, handy resources. You've got a couple of podcasts, the Bible and Life podcast, the listener's commentary. Uh, you've written a book, uh, Prepare Them to Flourish, on, on parenting. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So maybe maybe pick one of those and and, uh, and we'll start talking about that. Well, when I started, when I, when I transitioned out of the pursuit, you know, and said, okay, I think I want to just start creating these resources myself. The two things that happened first were the, the Bible and Life podcast. And I started recording some online video courses, um, some kind of core courses for Christians. And so those are the two things that, that started first. And so the Bible and Life podcast is sort of my weekly podcast I, where I try to I teach the text and try to do it in about 20, 25 minutes. You know, what I call about commuter length, you know, podcast where in 20, 25 minutes, someone driving to work could listen to the whole thing if they wanted to. And and that's that's textually based, but uh maybe a little more emphasis on reflection and implications and what, you know, preachers traditionally call application and just what, what is some wisdom from this particular text for life? And so that's, that's that podcast where I, I do that and uh, release episodes weekly on that podcast. And so that's sort of, you know, a little, not, not like systematic teaching or anything like that. It's more just straight up, not quite a sermon, not quite uh full on detailed exegesis somewhere in between <laughs> with lots of like direct application to life is the idea. Yeah. 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 Where I'm trying to take my, my goal on that podcast, I like to describe it as what I call blue jeans theology, you know, theology 
for everyday life theology and everyday dress that's connected to everyday life so you can follow Jesus in your everyday life. So it's got a little bit more taking the truth. Here's what this text says. Let's set that down right in the middle of your everyday life. And what are some of the implications? What does that mean? How do we wrestle with that? How, how do we live that out? How do we respond to it? And looking through the catalog, I think some of our listeners will recognize you've got a few interviews in there, um, including uh, with Tim Mackey of the Bible Project and Brad Gray, who um, wrote Make Your Mark, which we recommended uh, in our episode on on Samson, uh, or I guess the the episode on Judges. Um, so yeah, couple, our, our listeners will recognize a, a few of the names that you've got on, on interviews as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both Tim Mackey, Brad Gray, those were great. Aaron Couch, I've interviewed him too. I don't know if some of your listeners will recognize his name, but... Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Yep. So those three guys. I haven't done a whole lot of interviews in my podcast. It just hasn't been what my podcast is focused on, but I've done a few, and those are, are probably some of the key ones. Tim Mackey was great, just getting to know him, and I use that, uh, that episode more to explore his backstory. People are familiar with the, the Bible Project, right? And they get to hear his voice on the Bible Project quite a bit. But uh, his backstory and how he became a, a believer and how he ended up starting the Bible Project with John and and some of that. So that, that was kind of a fun interview just to let him share a little bit of his journey and how he got where he was at. It was pretty fun. And the podcast is generally pretty timely, I think. Um, I, one, of, one of my episodes that I, I enjoyed was your, uh, you did an episode the week of Thanksgiving uh, leading up to, to Black Friday on uh, how we look at money and the idea of consumerism and the American perspective on, on money versus uh, Jesus' perspective. That, that was a, a great, great little episode. Yeah, yeah. And that, uh, I've actually had several people message me about that episode. So apparently it resonated with, with quite a few people. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you And Brent mentioned this book that you had on parenting. I've got uh, one of the most common questions that I get emailed all, at least a couple times a month, if not almost once a week, is resources. Like where parents out there are starving for, like you just you pointed this out, like we're starving, we're craving this stuff. Yeah. But especially to teach the Bible, uh, well, with a contextual perspective, whether that has to be a Jewish hermeneutic or not, it's neither here nor there. And those are resources that I feel like, like one of the only ones that we recommend is Peter Enns has a resource uh, telling the story of God, which is a kind of a K through 12 take on how to talk about the scriptures in a new way with your kids. But sounds like you've got another resource that we can add to a request that we often get. Tell us about that. Yeah. The, the, my <laughs> So my little parenting book, it's a small little book. I kind of couch it as a parenting book that busy parents can actually read because it's not very big. And and it really grew out of my kids having kids. And I'm like, you know, um, I grew up, you know, the son of a, a divorced mom. By the grace of God, I, I learned a lot about parenting. I was very intentional since I knew I didn't know when I when I was looking at marrying my wife and then when we were looking at having kids, I, I went to people I respected and, and picked their brains and listened to them and they became mentors and encouragers to me. So I was very intentional about that. And then I was going to raise my own kids. And so when my kids started having kids, it's like, there are some big, broad principles that were really central to the way we raised our kids and why we raised them that way. And I want to just get that stuff out if for no other reason than for the sake of my kids, right? So that they know the home life they grew up in, but do they know the principles and the why behind some of the home life they grew up in? And so that was the motivating reason behind that book. Um, funny story, I actually finished one of the chapters while sitting in labor and delivery where one of my kids was, uh, you know, they were they were giving birth to my first, is it, I can't remember whether it's Briley or Violet, so my first or second grand child. And, and I designed the cover of the book in uh, labor and delivery as well. So sitting in the hospital with my kids, having kids, there I am writing a chapter and designing the cover of that little book. And, but it's, it's, it's a big, it's kind of a big principle vision based. Here are, here are some core convictions. If we are going to raise good human beings who image God back into the world and who are flourishing people, that Psalm one picture of a tree that flourishes again, right? What, how, how do we do that? What are some big, broad principles? So that's, that's what that book is, is it's a, it's a busy, it's a parenting book that busy parents can read that gives big, broad principles for how can we raise good human beings that are rooted in Christ, rooted in God and the wisdom of God. Yeah. And again, I think I, I'm seeing, I'm sure you get this too, just a ton of feedback of we are looking for those things, needing those things. So that was a great resource to have in our, and I keep, I love you keep coming back to Psalm 1, like such 
Bema resonance whenever you quote that. I'm like, yes, that is uh, that is that is what we love. That is our jam here. I, I love it. That's good. And you that that book is it's on my website, but you can also just find it by going. The title of the book is Prepare Them to Flourish. So if you just go to preparethemtoflourish.com, you can find a little landing page for that book you can order it right off amazon it's available in in print or kindle on amazon yeah and we'll have links to everything we're talking about in the show notes so lots of lots of resources to explore and i think maybe on the opposite side of the coin uh for people who have lots of time to dig into stuff i think the listener's commentary uh is a, a pretty deep well of information as well so tell us a little bit about that project that is very much in some ways kind of my my passion project and it is I don't know. We'll see what happens with it, but it sort of feels like my magnum opus. You know, I spent 20 years teaching the Bible at college level. Again, people are hungry for that. And so the the fastest growing medium online is digital audio, what we're doing right now. And uh, people like to listen while they work out, while they do their laundry, while they drive around or commute or whatever. And, and uh, people don't read as much as they used to, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, not everyone are readers, but they will listen. And so, you know, there's all these Bible commentaries that you can sit down and read. And the fact is most commentaries are not that, you know, they're they're not designed just to sit down and read. Right. Um, But, but people have this hunger to learn, learn God's word. And so what I've created with the listeners commentary is an audio commentary on the new Testament. That's what I'm, that's what I'm working on. There is, just like a print commentary that that teaches you verse by verse, chunk by chunk, what a a, a Bible book is all about. I'm doing that in audio fashion on listeners commentary. So just walking through each each book, here's the backstory to the book and kind of anything we need to know about that backstory to the book. And then let's just walk down through it piece by piece. And here's what, you know, these five or six, seven verses. And then here's these five or six, seven verses and just teaching your way through the book and trying to make it super clear, give you a really good handle on the macro structure of the book, how the whole book is put together, how the book flows and fits together, as well as enough details so you can really, that text can really come to life for you. And you can say, man, I I now know what this book is about and I know what to do with it. Yeah. For perspective, we did an every verse treatment on the book of Romans, uh, which took us seven episodes. You have 44 episodes on the book of Romans. Yeah. So that's, that's the kind of depth that, uh, that you can expect. We did one episode on the book of James. You did 14. We did one on Colossians. You did 12 episodes. So it's pretty in depth. Yeah. Yeah. There's right now I have seven new Testament books completed. There's over 60 hours of audio content so far. My plan uh, first through December, first of the year is to, to uh, hammer out uh, first, second Thessalonians. So I just finished Romans. And so it's a big book nail out a couple smaller ones then i want to jump into luke and acts and so early next year i'll be jumping into luke and then after that acts and that's going to be a massive project i I mean that's that's i don't know how long that'll take me but lord willing i'll have that done hopefully maybe by uh end of may beginning of june maybe i can have luke and acts done and that'll be a big big project but I think it'll be well worth it. Just just a side note for your perspective, this episode that we're recording now will be coming out March 18th. Perfect. So I'll be right in the middle of Luke recording Luke and Acts. So by the time this comes out, I should have a, uh, hopefully a good chunk of Luke already up on the site by then. We say this and we talk about Bible college memories, and you just said 44 episodes on on Romans, and all I could think about was my Romans final, like one of the... Our, our high, I think it was a 400 level class we had on. Everybody had to take Romans. I remember sitting in a study room somewhere discussing about Professor Whitaker and how he likes to give finals and how the final was going to operate and what we had to be prepared for. And oh, I can remember that like it was yesterday. <laughs> well, yeah. And the content on the commentary is largely what you got in class. It's maybe a little bit boiled down, but not, not massively boiled down at all. It's largely what you got in class. And you paid what? See, it was a three credit class at what four hundred dollars a credit hour. So you paid twelve hundred bucks for that class, Marty. I'm giving it away for free now. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! I I I won't. I can't even. Can't. Can't even. Now let me let me just ask you this question, uh, John. Do you you have all these resources, but I'm I'm betting if you're like me, there are other things that aren't necessarily listed on your website, or maybe they are that you love to do, like like having like requests to come in and speak or teach or 
lead a weekend workshop? Are those things that you enjoy doing? You look to do what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I don't right now. I don't have a speaking request form on my website. I've actually been thinking about adding that on there because I really do enjoy doing that. I actually have done quite a bit of that even in the last couple of years while I've been doing this stuff online. Um, and people just kind of been asking me randomly. And so, so yeah, I, I, uh, obviously COVID kind of has shut down some of that, but, um, I love coming in and speaking at workshops or weekend retreats or just guest preaching on Sunday mornings or what have you. I've actually been preaching in the last few months at a little tiny church here in town who their preacher left right before COVID hit. And so they've been kind of without a preacher for the last handful of months. And so I've been filling in quite a bit for them just to help them out, even though I told them I don't really have time to do every single week. I've ended up doing almost every single week for them. But it's just reminded me how much I enjoy the relational connection between speaking live and, um, and, and seeing people's faces light up and engaging with people in that way. So I, I love that. And that's something I, yeah, if, if people want to invite me to do that, man, I'd be happy to, to come and speak and then they can email me, just shoot me a simple email. We could arrange something on that. So love doing that. Um, nothing that's, on my website, but kind of hidden on the back end of my website, you don't see it a whole lot because it tends to be grow out of more of my relationship with pastors and some of that. I just needed to have some place for them to sign up for that. I, um, because my passion is discipleship and, and spiritual growth and a lot of those things, as well as teaching the text, I, I actually do some discipleship coaching for churches where I do some consulting with churches and um it's more often than not, it's about a year long. I'll give you a year of my time to help you think through your whole discipleship process, your discipleship culture. What are the principles, both theologically and practically, for creating a discipleship culture in your church? And how how could then I help you in your context think that through? And so that's something else that I uh, I can only do that with, you know, a couple churches here, you know, a year or whatever. But it's a uh, really satisfying. In fact, I just had a meeting with a couple pastors at a church on the Oregon coast yesterday. Just really satisfying to to see them beginning to, to rethink everything they're doing and move from a, you know, we got to get people in the building to we got to get people making disciples mode and, and what that looks like and what are some practical strategies for doing that and helping them think those principles through. So I enjoy doing that as well. Love it. So uh, this is an unintentional tradition that's becoming an intentional tradition um, uh, with these conversations that we have is at the end of the conversation, I, I'm, I'm loving to take a reflection question and uh, just take the conversation to uh, maybe you would call it a, conver- uh, you know, your Bible in life concept of let's make this really, let's reflect together and make this somewhat practical. I want it, I our audience our podcast is largely geared towards, um, I don't want to pinpoint it, but largely geared towards young adults in college or a campus ministry organization. Like we're pointing at college students, but I find this to be true well outside of college students. But there is definitely one of the things that a lot of our listeners will often be wrestling with is stepping out and trying new things. How, what if I fail? What if I choose? What if I make the, especially when I think of my young adult students and people in their mid twenties, and we're so convinced that if we get something wrong, um, we're going to screw up our whole, like, and here you've been, John, in this whole, like, this is a whole brand new chapter for you. And I'm assuming I'm, 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 I'm asking you to get personal. You can tell me that's none of my business, but as you reflect on like this, this has to, maybe it still is like a scary chapter. Like if we were to f- reflect for many of our listeners that struggle with some of the same, like, should I, shouldn't I, what do you think you would have to add to this from your experience with where you've been in these last few years? If I uh, am going to crack the door and let people glimpse into my mind and my heart a little bit, uh, if I'm being honest, you know, I've been in ministry since 1987. So a long time, and I've done a lot of different things, right? Uh, and it hasn't always been easy. There's been a lot of challenges, but probably the last two years have been some of the hardest two years uh, of my life in ministry. And, you know, so 49 to 51, and I'm just hitting some of the hardest things in my life in ministry. 
Uh, and the reason for that is because uh, one, the the uncertainty is this even going to work? Is it even possible? Like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> right? Like, uh, when you know, two years ago, I couldn't have told you how to, uh, you know, record and upload a podcast. I couldn't have. Uh, I, I, I had no guaranteed income. I stepped out of a ministry job not knowing what I was doing next. So I had no guarantee of an income. Um, and I'm only, you know, 15 or so years from supposedly retirement age. Um, leaving a career I've been at for almost 20 years where everything was secure, everything was known, it was easy, it was comfortable. I could have coasted, right? Um, and and stepping out into something that was totally brand new, and uh, it hasn't always been easy. It has been hard. There has been days where I've been frustrated or discouraged, right? And it's been challenging. And so, so just that little glimpse into you know where I'm at with some of the stuff I've been doing and some of the things I've been learning and wrestling with, um, you know, speaking to to people whether young or old, man, if I could do it at 50 years old, when it's like, it would be easier just to coast. I'm supposed to be middle-aged. My, my life is supposed to be figured out, right, and settled. Um, it's a whole lot easier, I think, to do that when you're 25, when you're 24. It's scary, and and you have maybe you, you, there's there's different kinds of risks, but there's also some easier things when you're 24 or 25. It's like you got your whole life in front of you. you, you all right, it doesn't go well, it doesn't matter. You got 30, 40, 50 years yet, right? So um, I, I'm a firm believer in you don't, I mean, I used to tell my college students this all the time. You don't have to have your whole life mapped out for you. I mean, like, most people get a degree from college and end up not working in the field in which they got their degree. Um, you you can't see around the bend of the, the road, right, in, in your life. You don't know what's going to happen. So we can make our five-year plan, and that seems wise and responsible, and I don't want to stop you from doing that. It's just that you got to hold your five-year plan loosely because you don't know what's around the bend. You don't know what's going to happen. And so the the willingness just to to try new things, the willingness to step out, the willingness to say this is this is what I want to try, this is what I want to be, this is what I want to do. And if it if it works out, great. If it doesn't, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and all right, figure out where to go from there. Right? That's life is sort of a journey. And um, I love the quote from Jim Elliot, um, famous missionary martyr from the 1950s who said it's not so much what god does through the missionary that matters as what god does in the missionary that counts and just think there's a lot of truth to that 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 god's ultimately interested in making something of us Hmm. uh, rather than just accomplishing things through us and so as the the journey of walking with god it's it's in that journey that god makes something of us yeah uh, that's so so well said and uh i i have a, in so many ways i have played my life uh very safely um in ways that make sense very logical uh, i have enjoyed watching many people one of them being you uh, john doing what you're doing now and chasing this and we have we have other Listeners that are part of the community, I've enjoyed watching as well. People that, like you, are like later, like these chapters are supposed to be done, and yet they're they're quitting their jobs, they're changing everything up for different things and different reasons. And man, there's just I love watching that because it reminds so many of us like what we we play by a set of rules that we we get to we get to question. Like when we when God invites us to question them, we get to question them, and we get to do something that's outside the norm. And I, I love listening to people say, go for it and, and fail. I'm with you. Like my life was pretty predictable. All right. I went to Bible college, went to grad school, got invited in grad school to come back and teach at my alma mater. So I did. I taught at my alma mater. My life was 
you know, lived on the school calendar. So, you know, September to May every year, I did the exact same thing, summer break, right? Raised my family. And it was a great, uh, teaching at the college was a great job for raising a family, right? Like having Christmas break off, summer break off. It was great, right? And I loved it. Wouldn't trade any of that for anything. It was just very, very predictable. And, and, and it was good for its time. And, and yet, when I left the college, even going from the college to the pursuit, um, my invite to the pursuit went down like this. It was like, John, I need you. I need your help. Um, I need you to to help think through discipleship. I need your help in preaching because it was a two-campus church with one guy doing all the preaching at both campuses. So he's like, I need you. Would you consider coming on staff with us? The only problem is you're not in the budget for at least a year. We can't afford you. Would you be willing to raise your own salary? So I left a job I'd been at for 19 years to go to a church that wanted me on staff with, again, without guaranteed income and had to raise my own salary. So, well, that was my first step in uh, what some people would call foolhardy adventures, you know, and watching <laughs> God provide for, for me and my family that way. And that, not only that, that was right when my kids were in the teenage, the middle of the teenage years. Yeah. And anyone who's raised teens know that's an incredibly expensive time of life. Yeah, incredibly expensive time of life. And yet God provided for my family and then transitioning out of that to what I'm doing now. And, you know, being two years into it and yeah, there's still, there's still, there's still some uncertainty. There's still some difficult days, but we've made it two years. We've made it two years and God has done some pretty remarkable things. Uh, you know, when I, when I see like 130 downloads of the commentary in Nigeria in a two week span, mm. I'm like, that's Nigeria. Christians in Nigeria, if you if you keep up on your news, persecution against Christians in Nigeria is on the rise. And yet somewhere, somehow, somebody or some buddies in Nigeria has found my listeners' commentary and is having their soul enriched and their knowledge of scripture deepened. Uh, as I sit here in Boise, Idaho, right? It's like, you know, may God be praised by that. And and hopefully he bears much fruit through it. So so I rejoice in those things, even in the midst of the challenges and the uncertainties that I myself am facing. I was uh, reminded of something that you said earlier in the podcast, and and then again just now, your drive for like how how are these you know the new convert? How are these people going to know what they need to know because they don't know anything? And uh, in your kind of your introduction episode um, to Romans in your listeners' commentary, you were talking about the the Romans who were present in Acts 2 and then took it back and somehow started the church there to the point where, you know, the expulsion um, 10 years later or whatever. And I would, I'm just thinking like, you know, what what is the connection that we have to those people where they're there in Acts 2, they're listening to this and they think like, how are we going to take this to the Romans? Yeah. And I, I feel like there's, there's maybe some... Uh, some similar thoughts going on in their minds as, as we have going on now. Right. Right. No, I, I imagine so. And, and, you know, those, those guys in Acts two, I mean, obviously they were rooted in the text because they were Jews or they in some way were connected to the Jewish uh, scriptures. Right. And so they had their knowledge of that, but then this, all this newfound Messiah stuff and looking then afresh back at their, their scriptures through the lens of the Messiah and mm -hmm. getting some of that sorted out perhaps while they're sitting there between Passover and Pentecost and Acts too. And then, and then like, we got to go back home now and we got to make sure we, we, we let the people in the synagogue back home know about this stuff too. And mm. uh, yeah, there's, mm. and then doing all that without any direct apostolic connection until much later, you know, when, when Paul himself, writes the letter and then says, I, I want to come and, and, uh, I want to, I want to, I want to ground you, you know, in, in this thing and then use you as a kind of a launching pad to go on to Spain. doesn't work out that way so much for Paul as best as we can tell, but, but yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good thought. Yeah. I, the kingdom moves forward when people who don't know what they're doing and are not sure how they're going to pull it off, just step out in faith. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, since you mentioned Tim Mackey, the Bible project or, Brad Gray from Walk in the Text, you mentioned those two guys, you know, and you look at the Bible project is what, six, seven years old. And it's just amazing what has that has become and how God has used that, you know, and Tim would be the first to say, we had no idea it would have, this would have happened when we started 
the Bible Project. We just wanted to make a few videos about the Bible, you know, and God just takes people who are willing to try, willing to step out and try. And sometimes he does incredibly remarkable things. Indeed. Love it. Brent, you take us out of here for the day. Yeah. Is there, you know, just as a closing thought, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to mention that we missed or left out or whatever? Um yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I just uh, really appreciate you guys being willing to have me on the podcast. I appreciate your guys' ministry and the same heart that I have, the heart for the text and the heart to make the text known in such a way that that ultimately makes Jesus known. And so commend you guys for your good work. Thanks for, for what you're doing for the king and for the kingdom. And thanks for letting me be a, a small part of it, but having me on this podcast. Ditto. Right back at you. I love it. Great to have uh, Professor Whitaker, Marty's professor, on on the podcast. Pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Well, uh, if you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB and BaymontDiscipleship.com uh, is, is where our show is at. JohnWhitaker.net is where you can find all things Professor Whitaker. Uh, and be sure to check out uh, his Bible and Life podcast and, and especially his listeners' commentary. I think you know, for anyone who's been listening to Bama and is just like, man, I'd really love to know more about, uh, you know, Romans. Like, yeah, we, we talked about a lot, but I really want to go deep. Like the listeners commentary is going to give you tons and tons of material to work with there. Um, so check that out. So John, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it guys. And listeners, thank you for joining us on the Bama podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Well, actually, I have uh, 30 rural churches in the Philippines that use my courses. Wow. Their, their internet's so spotty that they, they actually requested just, is there another way they could have access to them? And so instead of, I just I just downloaded all the courses to two different, uh, well, four different hard drives and and uh, shipped them to the Philippines. And so they, because they're on two different islands, and that way they have all the courses that they can just share amongst the churches on hard drives and training and teaching that is so like apostolic like they used to write letters now we have hard drives that we're passing around the region i that is such a great image to me i love that